Welcome everyone to another episode of the High and Wide Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Angry Jim. Here as always with my co-hosts, Jack Smith and Kyle Warner. What's going on, guys? How are we feeling tonight? It's been uh, about 24 hours since we last sat down. What's new? I just couldn't get enough of uh, Flyers prospects. What can I say, Jim? <laughs> Kyle, are you there tonight? I am absolutely here tonight, Jimmy. Are you alive? ever there? <laughs> oh, Kyle. I am. Always, unfortunately. Always, yeah, so, unfortunately. Like you said, Jack, so uh, we're going to continue our prospect month. August is our prospect month, and we have a special guest on tonight. Uh, the last time I got to talk to Alex, it was January, and I think the Flyers were in the midst of, you know, going through all that. Carter Hart was first coming up, and uh, Philip Myers was just coming up. So our guest is Alex Appleyard from the Athletics. From the Athletics, sorry. You don't play for the Oakland Athletics. Um Alex, how you doing, man? Yeah, I'm good, and I'm really happy to be back on the show again. Looking forward to talking some Flyers prospects. Hey, it's a real real pleasure to have you. I'm always excited to have you on. Uh, I always look forward to your tweets and seeing what kind of stuff you got coming out. Um, we're going to kick right off with, you know, the most recent draft. You know, the Flyers, we think, had a fairly pretty good draft. They got guys like Cam York, uh, Bobby Brink, and Ronnie Attard. I think that was their top three picks. What are your thoughts on, on what transpired? Do you feel good about, you know, how they drafted? Um, yeah, I, I, I really like the top of the draft for them, especially. Uh, I think getting both Cam York and Bobby Brink uh, was fantastic. These guys are both, in my opinion, quite premier talents. Guys who are going to be top four, and a top four defenseman in Cam York and a top six forward in Bobby Brink. Um, I had both of them personally in my top 20 for the NHL draft. So I think they got some really good value there. For sure. I mean, uh, a guy like Cam York, I mean, I, I, it seems like it's kind of split. Uh, my personal opinion, I, I, I did I did want them to go after a, a solid defenseman, you know, to, to kind of build up some death back there. Um, what I what I see from a lot of the, the better teams is you really can't have too much defense. This is just, you know, my perspective here. Um, so when they went after a guy and they got D, I wasn't necessarily disappointed and that they picked a position, even though I, I would have liked to see them go after a guy like Caulfield, I was like, uh, you know, for me personally, I was happy to see them go after a defense. This way, maybe in the future, they move a guy, you know, who knows? People will overpay for defense, I think. So that was kind of my angle there. Now, the other, I think, um, perspective there, and, and Jack, if you want to take this away, a lot of people were excited for a guy like Cole Caulfield to be in the orange and black. Yeah, I'm definitely one of those guys. So I'll just ask you straight up, Alex. Um, if you're on the clock where the Flyers were, are you taking York or are you taking Caulfield? Well, I can't lie. Um, I had Caulfield higher than York, and I thought Caulfield was the best player available. Um, so I think I would have taken uh, Cole Caulfield. However, I do understand the logic behind the York pick. Uh, he was the best defenseman available, um, or one of them. He's a really good player, really solid all-round player as well. He can push the offense. He's very strong defensively and good at his own blue line and a really good skater as well. And they haven't taken a defenseman higher than pick number 50 since Provorov in 2015. You know, the cupboard was looking slightly bare back there. And um, with Myers now pretty much in the NHL, graduating as a prospect this year, uh, York immediately really steps in as the Flyers' top defensive prospect and really the only defensive prospect you can see with kind of a number say two three upside all the other guys probably their their ceiling is a number four 
That's true. And it's, it seemed that some fans were saying they needed to restock the defensive cupboard as soon as they could. I don't necessarily agree with that, considering how young their, all their defense are, especially on the, the current roster. But that's true. He's, he's easily their top prospect. But I was all about Cole Caulfield. And I'm so happy that you said that on air in front of these guys, that he was your pick. Because <laughs> I lost my mind a little bit. However, I, that bridges me into the into Bobby Brink. I see you have him ranked pretty high in your prospect rankings, and I just want to ask you this because uh, I've never heard a scout use the word hate with his skating, but other than that, he seems to really be able to put some uh, put some numbers on the scoring sheet. What's your take on Bobby Brink? Uh, I wrote about him uh, for The Athletic uh, over summer, and yeah, I was a really big fan of his coming into the draft. Um, if it wasn't for simply his skating, I think he would have probably gone top 15 or 20. He kind of has everything else. You know, he's really, really tenacious. Uh, in addition to having a high skill level, a good shot, he's a good passer. Um, really, are, and he's skating, while not ideal, it's not kind of um, Strom level poor skating. He's just not quite where you'd like him to be for a guy who's kind of on the shorter side. Though saying that, I really don't think his size is an issue at all. He's, at the combine, I think he measured at like 5'9". Um, but with the way he plays the game, he's very strong. On the, he's pretty strong for his size on the boards. Uh, he plays with a lot of grit and tenacity. I, I'm not really concerned about that going forward. It's just if he can improve his skating slightly, you know, you've got a guy who probably has the potential to be a first-line winger. Because, wow, I mean, what he did in the USHL this year was 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 pretty exceptional, really. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm glad to hear you say that his skating's not as bad as Strom's, and that's something I'll never understand. These these guys that play hockey their whole lives, coming from hockey families, and they just they just can't skate that well. I, I don't get it. But if he can work around it, and from what I read, at least become an average skater, he could. Yeah, he could have that top line potential, and that makes the. I don't want to. It makes me feel like I'm poo pooing Cam York, but. It makes it makes that pick easier when you pretty much got Cole Caulfield light, you know, at pretty good value because you said you had him ranked as high as top twenty. I've seen him basically ranked. He should have went in the uh, twenty twenty five around there, and the Flyers traded up and got him where they did. So that makes that sting a little bit uh, feel a little bit better. But what did you think about the rest of the Flyers draft? Uh, like uh, guys like Atard, which. Um, a lot of people are very quick to to bump up on their rankings. Oh, he's this, he's that, he's scoring. He's also older than a lot of the other prospects, and we have seen guys who are bigger and who stick around in juniors longer or wherever they're playing, and they beat up on younger kids. Do you see any of that with this guy, or did he just score too much at will that he just put himself on the map and the Flyers got a hell of a player here? I think he's probably one of those guys who's just a slight, slightly late developer. He's a pretty big guy, like over 6'3", and... Now, kind of, I think he's around 210 pounds. And I think he's one of those guys who, when he first came into the USHL, maybe wasn't quite physically there as an 18-year-old. But now he's, you know, 20 years old. He's filled out, grown into his frame, and he's really started to put his skill set together. Um, he wouldn't have been my pick there, but uh, I think he's a really, really solid pick. And he plays the kind of, any, a kind of style that really would suit the present NHL. You know, he's offensively gifted and really loves jumping into the rush. You know, he's not kind of dissimilar to, say, someone like Sanham or Myers in that aspect of his game. He um, really, really likes stepping up at the blue line um, and not allowing zone entries, and then he loves getting the puck and rushing up ice. So um, I think he, he could potentially be a solid NHLer in a few years. 
That's good. I uh, I read somewhere that he had a bit of a mean streak too. Is that true? Uh, well, uh, he got some enormous penalty totals in the USHL and over. Well, not this year. He kind of calmed down a bit, I think. But the year before, he got like 126 penalty minutes in 50 games, which was amongst the highest of anyone in the USHL. So yeah, I think there's a there's an aspect of that to his game. Maybe that's why he uh, put up more points. He stayed out of the box a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just just checking and. Uh, yeah, last year he was kind of almost, well, yeah, 11th in the entire USHL in uh, penalty minutes. All right. So the maybe, the, the, maybe the year not. before last. The year before last. Oh, okay. This year it was, yeah, not so bad. Well, Alex, you said that wasn't your pick there. Who was your pick there so I can write it down and follow this guy later? Oh, well, um, I'm trying to think of exactly who I would have had there. I'll just quickly check on my list. Uh, but it will have been... Um, I think I would have probably gone for uh, Simon Lundmark, I would guess. One second. Who ended up taking him? Uh, I think it was Columbus. <laughs> Great. <laughs> oh, no, no. Oh, no. Uh, Lundmark went earlier than that. So, um, it oh, was... looks like it um, was it the Jets. Uh, yeah, the Jets took him 51st. Uh, I was kind of a bit confused there. But, um, yeah, there were a couple of Finnish defensemen as well in Honker and Kokkonen who went... Uh, 83, 84, who I quite liked. Uh, so, yeah, I think I would have probably gone with one of the Euro defensemen there. Um, but I, th- I think it was a solid pick. Actually, I actually I lie. Um, my best player available would have been Patrick Puistola, who went the pick after to Carolina Hurricanes. Oh. Because he's a guy who probably has everything apart from skating. He, I, in, my, in my opinion, he was a top 40 talent. So, yeah, he would have <laughs> been my pick. It always sucks when you want a guy and when your team drafts and the guy you want to go is the very next pick. Kind of like <laughs> old Caulfield. But, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, my, my, pick, my pick would have been Patrick Postola. But, you know, the, the Flyer Scouts and the scouting department in general has been so good over the last few years. And their USHL scouting has been really good. Um, their Swedish scouting has been really good. So, I mean, if, if they've taken the guy there, um, you kind of got to trust the track record and, what they've what they've seen in them that's definitely true and that, that's kind of what got me into the prospects especially with the flyers because for the longest time they just didn't have anything and it was like right around where hex also go over they started taking it more seriously um well they kept going with defense because they really needed to restock the covered uh, what do you think about mason millman i actually really like mason millman i probably maybe prefer him overall as a player to ronnie atard um wow. just marginally uh, the guy, once again, he's actually he's a good skater. Uh, he kind of broke out a bit this year, and he really likes pushing play, likes jumping into the rush, and I think we could really see a big season for him in the USHL. I mean, in the um, OHL in the, over the next year. Uh, I think he's probably, in terms of his p- potential, he's probably only got number four upside, but um, yeah, I like his hockey IQ, I like his skill, and he seems a smart player with 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 some nice upside. Is there anybody else the Flyers draft that really jumped out at you, or were these just guys that you're taking a lottery ticket on and hoping for the best? Uh, the one player later on in the draft who I kind of quite liked was uh, Egor Serdiuk, who'd be drafted from Victoriaville, the QMJHL, uh, 165th pick. Uh, I don't think he's a guy who's got immense upside. Uh, I think his upside is probably a solid third line winger, but, you know, I've Watched him play for Russia in the uh, WGJAC and saw him quite a bit in the QMJHL as well. 
and yeah, he's he's, he's got nice playmaking abilities, good hands. Uh, he's just a solid all-round player. You know, he can play a skill game. He can uh, play a two-way game as well. Uh, yeah, I think he has a potential NHL future. Oh, wow. Interesting that Uh-oh. you brought I'll his name that. up, Especially Alex. We had, uh, we had a Brandon Holmes on a couple weeks ago. From uh, He writes for Dauber Prospects and uh, Draft Geek Hockey. He actually mentioned his name before the episode. I'm, I'm not sure we ever got to talk about him, but that's interesting that you just brought his name up as well. Yeah, I mean, he's he's got a chance to play for Russia at the World Juniors, um, which for a sixth-round pick with the kind of talent Russia have up front huh. um, each year. You know, he's played for Russia under 17. He's played for Russia under 18. He probably... I doubt he'll play in the World Juniors this year, though he has a chance. But the year after, I think he should he should kind of be a... Did he kind of slip in, in the draft, or what happened there? Uh, I think some people had him kind of around 100th or so, around 120th. But I think uh, probably some people kind of doubt his top-end skill to actually be kind of a maybe a top-six player. So okay. yeah, that's probably why he fell. But I think he was a good value pick where they got him. You know, he put up over point per game um, in the QMJHL in his draft season. Um, which is always pretty promising, and he does play a solid defensive game as well, uh, and has some skill. So, yeah, I, I really like that game. I really like that pick. I mean, I thought it was very good for the position they took him. In. That's a name to watch then. Not, and it's not one of those. Uh, not, it's not one of the regular names that everyone's going to be watching for, like York Brink, uh, Atar, you know, the Farabies. So uh, that's interesting. A, a guy to watch. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <clears throat> Well, I wanted to ask you about your personal rankings. Um, I'd see, I see so many of them, and I, you and Charlie O'Connor did one on The Athletic, and you guys had some differences. But before we get into it, can you go into what is your like criteria for where you rank these guys where you do? Because you're always adding guys in every year, and I, I'm sure it's more than just what round they were drafted in. That, you know, got, got guys in your top five and top ten, and, you know— we know more about the guys we already have than some of the guys we're just drafting. So how do you go about making your prospect list and then updating it with each and every draft? Um, well, usually um, the first thing I look at is the upside. I think that's the most important thing for me. Um, obviously, you've kind of got to modify that because you can't just look purely at what a player could could be at his very best. For example, Strom. Strom, if he starts out his skating, he's a top six NHL forward. He has everything else required to, to be a 40 45 plus point player in the NHL but obviously the chance of him developing into that is quite slim unless he really improves his skating so first and foremost I look for upside so you know with with my rankings you'll see kind of Faraby Frost and Myers as the top three and the reason for that is because I think Faraby and Frost are going to have the potential to be legitimate 70 plus point NHLers and Myers has the potential to be say a really good number two defenseman and then after them I have kind of you know York and Brink because I think say York has the potential to be a really good second pairing defenseman or maybe a second wheel on a first pairing um, as a number two. And then Bobby Brink, if he can just start, he starts skating a bit, he can, he'll seriously be able to be a, a first line player. Um, so yeah, upside is the thing that matters most for me. Well, obviously that's modified by the odds of that actually happening. If I think the chance of that happening is pretty decent, solid 50 plus, I will rank them very highly. Um, and yeah, in terms of updating it from year to year, I try and catch all the players' prospects uh, quite a few times a year. It's some a bit more difficult sometimes, uh, especially with some of the college teams who don't have broad TV broadcasts so often. 
Uh, but usually with the guys in the CHL or um, in Europe, I'll be able to watch quite a few games, see how they play and see if the skills are developing. And then also just see how their season went overall, you know? So, for example, for me this year, Samuel Larsson took quite a big jump because he had a season in the Elsvenskan in the Swedish second division, second level pro- professional. And then it was exceptional. He was probably had the greatest season for a goalie in the league's history. So you kind of have to sit up and take notice of that. If I can ask you real quick, Alex, because we actually had a, a, fan, a Twitter question from mm. a, a follower about Erson. Um, the question from Christian Westerland is, right now, if you had to pick one out of Sandstrom or Erson for the future, which one would you take? Oh, that is a difficult question. I think the question really is also based on how deep the Flyers goaltending is. If the Flyers didn't have such deep netminding in, in terms of prospects, I would take Erson, I think. Because I think Erson is probably a slightly safer player going forward. He's just so sound uh, technically, and he just had a brilliant season. However, I actually did, in my Midsummer Prospects rankings for the Athletic, rank Sandstrom one position ahead of Erson. Uh, because he is an athletic freak. He has the upside to be a legitimate really good number one goalie. I think Erson probably has the um, potential to be an NHL starter as well. Um, but if everything went perfectly, I think Sandstrom could be could be a, a kind of elite level goalie. He's got a long way to go to get there. Um, so I think I would take Sandstrom. But that's simply based on the fact they've got so many other good goalies in the system. If they didn't have so many goalies, I'd feel a bit safer with Erson. Are you saying that Sandstrom's got a higher ceiling? Yeah. Uh, I think there aren't many goalie prospects in the world with a higher ceiling than Felix Sandstrom. Wow. Um, there aren't many guys who can do the full splits across the bottom of the net, covering the whole ice at the same time, and still be functionally kind of strong enough to get the glove up. It, it, it's preposterous, and some of the saves he can make are just absurd. I think we saw at the World Juniors a few years ago when he won goalie of the tournament. Uh, at times, he was just completely unplayable. So, yeah, um, Sandstrom, but it's very, very close. I think they're pretty equal right now as prospects. Sandstrom has better athleticism, but Samuel Erson is one of the most technically sound composed goalies uh, of that age in the world as well and he also had a fantastic world juniors this year so oh wow okay well since we're on the topic of goalies where does used to make fit into all that with the flyers and you uh i like his game he's a pretty impressive goalie who's got a really good track record he had a very strange year this year um he started he, he started the season looking like he was going to be russia's starter or at least backup for the world juniors they were playing him for the senior men's second national team at times last year, kind of picking him and taking him, taking him on the trips. And it looked like they were really grooming him to be the starter for the Russian World Junior squad. Um, but he had a really bad start to the season. Um, it looked like he was going to get playing time in the uh, USHL. I mean, I'm sorry, in the VHL, the Russian um, second tier. Uh, but because of kind of, not politics, but um, the KHL, a KHL club loaned an established KHL goalie to the VHL team that Ustimenko was looking like playing for. They didn't have a position for him anymore. So he went back down to the Junior League, the Junior League, which he's completely destroyed two years in a row before this. And he just kind of, at the start of the season, I don't know, something just seemed off with him. He didn't, he wasn't consistent. He was letting in goals you would just not see him let in usually. And, I mean, by mid-December, he's, his stats were probably slightly below average for a league he'd destroyed over the previous two years. You know, he, this is a guy who put up a point nine three eight and a point nine two nine save percentage in the 16-17 and 17-18 seasons. You know, he'd played for Russia at the World Juniors, under-18 World Juniors, and been ridiculous. He posted a .984 save percentage there. And it was looking like he was going to go and play at Dynamo St. Petersburg in the VHL, the Russian second highest level. 
And um, his start of the season was so poor that it meant he didn't even make the World Junior squad. I think by mid-December, his save percentage was right around like 0.905. Um, but then after the World Junior squad was selected, he just went on a complete tear. Uh, finished the season from January to the end of the year. He posted like a 0.945 save percentage. was unstoppable, really, at times. And um, ended up setting the shutout record for the entire league. Um, over the year, he he actually set the record last year and broke his own record. So there's a lot of there's a lot of potential there, and it's going to be interesting to see him in North America. I'm glad he came over. You know, a lot of the time, it's I think it's maybe beneficial for Russian players to stay in Russia and play in a good level league against men. Uh, but he just wasn't really getting the opportunity to do that. And maybe he starts the season in the ECHL with Reading. Um, but at least if he's getting games, you know, um, and he will have AHL time as well. I think he's a he's a really good prospect, and he's all, he's a guy with NHL potential for sure. He has everything to to get to that level if he can just continue developing and be be consistent. Um, you know, he's got the size, he's got the athletic ability, and he's pretty technically sound as well. So yeah, he's a he's another guy who's really exciting uh, to watch for. I got a kind of random question here. Um, do you think any of these guys could ever push Carter Hart for the number one spot? I mean, it's, it's I mean Carter Hart's obviously a pretty exceptional goalie, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I think all three of Sandstrom, Essen, and Ustamenko have the ability to play in the NHL. Um, maybe only Sandstrom is a guy who kind of has the talent level mm-hmm. that Hart has, or close to the talent level that Hart has. But you know, you've got a guy in Essen who's he's actually quite similar to Hart in how technically composed he is. And then with Ustamenko, it's a bit of a wild card to see how he's going to adapt to North America. But all, all three of them have kind of the ability level. Maybe not. They, none of them have the ability level of Hart, but they have enough ability that if they develop well, they could. They could probably push him to be able to get a close to even number of starts in a few years. I mean, I'm not sure the odds are very high of that, but they have the ability to to compete with him at least. So what you're saying is Roddy Ross has a hell of a road. Pardon? So what you're saying is Roddy Ross has a hell of a road to be considered. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think so. Um, They have have the best goalie prospect pool in the NHL, or right amongst the best goalie prospect pools in the NHL. They have, I don't think there are many other teams who can boast three guys who have legitimate, obvious, projectable NHL futures. Um, and the Flyers have that with uh, Sandstrom, Ersen, and Ustamenko. I'll take it, for sure. <laughs> Do you have something, Kyle? Yeah, uh, uh, no, never mind. Okay. I lost. <laughs> um, I did want to get into some of your rankings, Alex. Uh, yep. Particularly, uh, it seems... Yeah, you and Charlie had some discrepancies, but the first thing I'm going to ask you is, so far and away, is Morgan Frost is your top prospect for the Flyers? I wouldn't say far and far away, but in my opinion, he's the, got the highest potential of, of any players the Flyers have. You know, what he did in the OHL this year was exceptional. He was fantastic in the World Juniors. He has amazing skating, a really high skill level. He's got great IQ. There's nothing, I, I, don't, I just don't see many weaknesses to his game. Um, he's a really good penalty killer and solid defensively. Um, you know, maybe you can say he's not the biggest guy, but you know, neither's Claude Giroux, and we all saw how that's turned out in the NHL. But he was he was one of the best players in junior hockey uh, this year, and I think it won't be very long until he'll be playing an important role for the Flyers in the NHL. All right, but, how, how, go ahead. Farabee Far- is not that far behind him either. I was a massive Joel Farabee fan going into the draft. Uh, he was. Uh, yeah, best player available when they picked him. I was pretty ecstatic they did pick him. And he's another guy who, like Frost, has, in my opinion, 70-plus point NHL potential to be a legitimate first-line player. And he's also 
very well-rounded. Maybe slightly more physically mature than Frost, even though he's not the biggest guy either. Um, but, you know, he played a he had a fantastic rookie season um, in the NCAA uh, for Boston. Um, you know, he had 36 points in 37 games on a on a team that wasn't scoring maybe as much as they would be expected to do and had a solid World Juniors as well. Um, so, yeah, he's a, he's a, he's he's not that far behind Frost, but I still thought Frost is just marginally better right now. Okay, yeah, that, that would basically Farabee was my next question. Um, so I see you guys pretty much have uh, Felipe Myers as your two or three prospect on there, and then right at four is Cam York. So I would ask you, because you got a first-round pick versus a camp invite, like what is the difference between those two guys? Do you think that York could be better, or right now do you think Myers is the guy? Uh, what, what are you seeing with these two defensemen? Uh, I think both of them have top four upside. And I think I think Phil Myers will be a top four level defenseman in the NHL this year. Um, I got to watch him up close and personal in the World Championship for Canada. And it's he's just such an impressive player. Uh, he's one of the biggest humans I've ever stood next to. Um, a, so physically imposing. He's a fantastic skater, loves jumping into the rush. He has all the skills to be a really, really good number two NHL defenseman and maybe, maybe even a number one defenseman. York, he's... He's a very good player, but he's not quite kind of the athletic freak that Myers is. And he also maybe uh, isn't quite as uh, aggressive. Or it's, it's hard to say less skillful offensively because, I mean, Cam York's a, a guy who just in the World Juniors under-18s for America had the most points of any defenseman in the tournament. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, the combination of Myers' exceptional skating and that size and physicality and skill just puts him in a slightly higher bracket for me. Okay, fair enough. Um, so, okay, so let me ask you, um, just, uh, I asked Brandon the same question, so I'll throw it out to you as well. Is there anybody on your prospect list, doesn't matter where they're ranked, that you just are a little bit higher and know more about or expect more of than anybody else, uh, like a potential dark horse that you expect um, really could push for this team and could d- develop into into the player that he's, Maybe it, it right now he's nowhere near, but you you think he could be he could surprise the team and some fans and just sneak up into the like he's in the mid rankings now, but in a year or two he could be top five. Any anybody like that jump out at you? Mm, it's difficult. I don't think anyone in that list could be top five just simply because of the level of skill that the Flyers' top five, seven, eight prospects have. Uh, and yeah. the one guy I've been massively high on for a long time is Linus Hogby. Uh, playing in the SAL for Vecchia. Uh, I've got to see him play quite a lot. Um, I also got to speak to him earlier this year. And, uh, yeah, he's he's a really, really impressive player when you watch him on a regular basis, especially. He's a really good skater uh, in all directions, and he's got one of the best defensive IQs I've seen for a player of that age. I'm not joking when I say that uh, in the previous season, the season just passed, uh, he was one of the best, say, 10 defenseman inside his own um, blue line in in the entire of the SAL, which is probably the third best league in the world. He's fantastic positionally. He's very good at the blue line. And he understands angles better than some NHL defensemen, quite frankly. He channels people to the boards well. And he's also a pretty... can play physically. He doesn't play physically very often, but when required, he, he can. Uh, he has a great outlet pass. And um, yeah, he just has a skill set that when you watch, you're just like, there's no reason he shouldn't be an NHL player. Um, he's a great skater, good outlet pass, really solid positionally. 
Um, maybe he's upside. He's probably only a you know kind of defensive number four defenseman. Um, but if he can reach that, he'll he 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 could be quite impressive in the NHL, and I think a kind of a guy who really helps the Flyers down the line. And I really don't think he's that far away. He's going to turn 21 in a couple of weeks. Um, and honestly, by the end of the 2019-20 season, I think it wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be completely crazy if in 2020 training camp, Hogby came out to Philadelphia, impressed everyone, and pushed for a place on the Flyers. I think he's close enough. Right, fair enough. Um, the next guy I want to ask you about is a little bit of controversy, just simply because of where he was drafted, how young he is, and I see you have him in your top ten. Um, I, everybody scratched, well, not everybody, but a lot of people scratched their heads at the time. So, and then he had a very interesting first year. Uh, tell us about Jay O'Brien and why you still have him ranked in your top 10, considering everything that went down. I mean, like I said, I was talking about upside and it's hard to deny the potential upside that Jay O'Brien has with his skill set. This is a guy who's a great skater. He cycles the puck so well. He's got great hands. You know, he can score goals. He can set up goals. When you watch him play, he just looks like he is, you know, a first-round pick. He looks like a guy with a potential to be a really good top six forward. And he had a strange year in Providence in the NCAA. He came in and looked quite good in the first few games from what I saw and what I heard. And then, you know, he had a bit of injury issue. And he just never really seemed to find the groove at that level. Uh, was dropped down the lineup, didn't play as much as he probably could have and should have done. He still made the um, World Juniors team and looked, he looked pretty well. He could skate with those guys, obviously. He made some really nice skill plays at times, but by the end of the tournament, he was a number 12, 13 forward and not not playing quite as much as you, you would hope him to. And then, you know, he's uh, made an interesting decision next year. It looks like he's going to be playing in the BCHL uh, for Penticton Vs uh, before going to Boston University, although there was some talk earlier in the year that I mean, earlier in the summer that he was going to try and go straight away, but it's uh, it's looking like he's going to be in the BCHL right now. Um, but yeah, I think it's a massive, massive down year and one of the kind of one of the worst years that um, a first round prospect who's gone to the NCAA has ever had from a statistical perspective. But you can still see the skills there, and if you can put it together, uh, he he definitely has top six forward upside. Alex, if I could, if I could ask you real quick, what what does that look like to you when a player goes to a league like that instead of uh, instead of college. I mean, could it be he needs to regain confidence? Or, I mean, what what is that? Uh, I think it's just simply because of the transfer rules with the NCAA. Okay. I think he would have he would love to go to Boston University this year and was trying to figure out how to do it. But uh, yeah, it's looking like he been playing for Penticton and V's. Uh, I think for him maybe Providence just wasn't an ideal landing spot and. Um, yeah, I think it's he's came basically straight from high school as well. It's not like these guys have been playing kind of USHL for a couple of years full time away from their families, etc. And maybe maybe it was simply kind of a massive culture shock um, that could have. So it's, I guess it's, it's nothing about him hockey wise or, or head wise. It's just you know something uh, within the transfer rules. Um, yeah, okay. effectively, he you know there was talk he could maybe have gone to the uh, Canadian Hockey League instead. But then, if he goes there, he's he's ineligible to play in the NCAA again. So oh, yeah. okay, that clear, for me that clears up a lot because I'm wondering what the hell's going on with Jay O'Brien. He's going to this lesser league, and come to find out, it's just you know transfer rules. He's he's looking to go to uh, Boston University next year. That makes me feel a little bit better about Jay O'Brien. Tell you the truth. Well, that makes uh, one of you. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
No, I, I mean, he's a first-round pick. I want him to pan out, of course. I'm just, it's, it was such an odd year. And like you said, it was a year from hell. And, um, yeah, just, we didn't see a whole lot. And I, he was kind of a, they, a lot of people said a reach at the time. And that those two things combined just kind of make you nervous. But you seem pretty confident with him still. You fully acknowledge how uh, rough the year was, but are still like, no, I, I think he'll still put it together. So that's good. It just seems like he's going to be like 23 years old before he starts pushing for a roster spot, which isn't ideal. But hey, maybe even older than that. But whatever. Um, as long as he's good, what, what do I care? <laughs> I mean, it's um, also it doesn't hurt, hurt anybody, but Jay O'Brien, though. Mm. I mean, it's true. That's true. Spot that's true. But it, it, I mean. I'm going to bring up this next player, and this is kind of what I'm getting at. Uh, you have Samuel Moran in your top 15 at 15, and talk about having a draft pick and waiting quite a while. Would you do you see him sticking in the NHL? I mean, they put an awful lot of time invested into him. So where are you at with him? You have him uh, ranked significantly higher than Charlie is why I ask. I think Samuel Moran's an NHL player right now. I think in his limited cameos for the Flyers, you know, he's played, what, eight games over a couple of years. He's never looked out of place. He's a great skater for his size. He's uh, not a bad puck handler. He's not a great puck handler. Um, he's obviously pretty physical, really good um, in his own zone around on the boards and around the net. And he can, he, he doesn't have, he has some skill as well, you know. Um, you look at kind of what he was doing last year in the AHL before he got injured. And he, he put up seven points in 15 games while being a physical six foot seven defenseman who was mainly playing against the opposition's top players. Uh, you know, I watched uh, quite a lot of him in the AHL. And quite frankly, he was always a better player than Robert Hegg, for example. He's a similar age to Hegg. And he always just looks a lot better, better offensively, uh, better at passing the puck out of his zone. Um, do I think he has kind of the upside to be a real legitimate top four NHLer? Maybe not. I think his complete maximum upside is a solid number four. But what I do think is he could come into the NHL this year as a number five defenseman, say, replacing Robert Hag and do a better job. Um, Thank I think, you. I think he will have an NHL future. Uh, it might not be with the Flyers, but I do think he'll, you know, he's a guy he'll probably play five or six seasons in the NHL, in my opinion. Okay, well. Well, he should have had a spot over Hag, but that was the day. Was Hag that a Hagstall thing? Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, that sucks. It is what it is. I mean, considering he's a first-round pick, you just want to see him play at this point. And, uh, ACL certainly didn't help him, but it's funny that you say he was always better than Hag, and then Hag wins the job at a training camp, and it, a lot of it was on um, Hagstall, from what I heard. Um, he should have just beat the shit out of him in training camp, and then we would have never had to hear Robert Hag's name. I'm not against I'm it. I'm perfectly right. okay with that. But um, let me ask you this real quick. So he, so he took a long time. He was drafted the first round, 2013. We got Jay O'Brien first round, 20, uh, was it 17, 18, 2018. And we have so many prospects now. Does it worry you? Like we want to see some of these guys, and the longer they're going to take to develop that – there's just because we're already having this issue now. Like, there's not going to be spots for these guys. Like, not that I think he's a world beat or anything, but guys like Mark Friedman won't even get a cup of coffee in the NHL. I don't think Alb Kubel had the best shot. You got guys still hanging around like Vorobiev and what's going on with Rubstoff. And like, are we do we just have like too many guys that we're just not going to see him? Does this worry you at all? Or like, what do you, what do you think about all that with everything going on? 
It doesn't worry me so much about having too many guys. What did worry me slightly over the last year or so is simply the opportunity given to some guys who aren't going to be, say, potential top six, top four um, players. I mean, Albeca Bell is a fantastic example of that. What else did the guy have to do? You know, the last two seasons in the AHL, he's been one of the most effective two-way AHL 5v5 forwards in the entire league. I think in 2017-18, he was top 10 in kind of um, 5v5, or, well, even strength points per game. And last year, he put up some great numbers as well. And he's a good two-way player. He's fast. He's physical. He can penalty kill. Um, and, you know, he got nine games with the Flyers, and he was pretty much playing five minutes a night most of the time. You know, not really... I mean, he played solid. He didn't make any mistakes at all, I don't think, in those games. Um, and looks competent in the NHL. And I think he would have been a lot better, um, or at least had the potential to be better than several of the guys they were rolling out at times last year on, say, the fourth line, etc. I mean, look how long we had uh, Yori Letera and uh, Dale Weiss playing. And they're statistically were two of the worst forwards in the league over the last two years. When you start really analyzing kind of the underlying statistics, they just weren't scoring points. They weren't playing especially well defensively. They weren't really bringing anything to the team. I mean, you know, these are guys who were playing over Oscar Lindblom as well, you know, to start, say, last last season. Um, you know, I think Lindblom probably was brought up a bit too late last year, and he really had to force his way onto the team, kick the doors down um, with, you know, AHL All-Star game and just looking like one of the best players in that league. So that does slightly concern me at times that they're just not maybe giving these guys a as big a chance. But then on the other hand, you can point to someone like Vorobiev, who came up to start last year after a really, really impressive training camp, played a couple of games really well in the NHL, and then just seemed to really fall off a cliff and look a bit lost um, and not even do the things well that he does well. You know, he's passing in a defensive game. So I think, I think there's no problem having too many prospects, but it's being able to give them a chance before they're kind of overcooked. Oh. Speaking of possibly overcooked, Jack brought up uh, Rupstov. Not that he's overcooked yet because he's only been with the Phantoms for, uh, I think last year was his rookie year? Or was, that was his second year. It was his rookie year last year. Okay. Um, so for me, Rupstov is an interesting guy, and I think I brought this up on the last couple shows. Um, but, I mean, it, he's been passed basically by, by guys like Frost, Farabee, and, and you know a lot of that is because maybe they're better players, but also because he was hurt all last year. Um, I have a question, again, from Christian uh, Westerland here. He asks, what do you expect from Rupstoff this season, and what do you consider to be a successful year for him? I mean, I think German Rupstoff Rupstoff is going to play in the NHL this year. I'm not sure how many games. It could be five, it could be 20, it could be 30. But um, he's an NHL player. Um, I mean, maybe I'm slightly biased because I was on the German Rupstoff train before he was even drafted by the Flyers. I had him, I think, ranked 12th or so, or 11th in my um, kind of NHL 2016 draft, uh, pre, pre-draft rankings. I had him right alongside a guy like, say, Tyson Yost um, from Colorado, where we ended up going top 10. I was really surprised he fell that far. And then up until the 2017-18 season, uh, he was looking like he was going to kind of fulfill that promise, especially when he um, came over to uh, Chikatimi in the QMJHL uh, in the 2016-17 season. You know, t- 22 points in the 16 games he played after not really ever playing on small ice before. Um, that was really impressive. You know, one of the highest scoring um, players that age in the entire league. Uh, and then, you know, he had... Uh, last season, he was... I mean, in 2017-18, he played for two different teams, for Chikatimi and Akadi Batterst, uh, and wasn't kind of at the same level, even though his Akadi Batterst team uh, won the QMJHL. 
Uh, he had a solid World Juniors that year, but then I think a lot of people were slightly down on him because he didn't really kick on to the level that everyone thought he should or could in 2017-18. Uh, but then to start the year last year in the um, AHL, he was one of the Phantoms' best players and managed to put up 10 points in 14 games while playing really good defense, playing well on the penalty kill uh, before his season was destroyed by a shoulder injury. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think Gavin Ruttoff's going to play in the NHL this year. And I think his floor is really a solid third liner. I really don't see much less than that with the combination of skills he has. Okay. So would you say he's a candidate, and I, I'm not going to say straight out of camp, but would you say he's a candidate to play on that third line eventually? I think so, and it wouldn't completely shock me if it was by the end of the 2019-20 season. I mean, I, th- I think I think if he starts the year, he'll probably be on the fourth line. But, um, yeah, he has the ability to do that. And I think, quite frankly, his upside is that of a really good second line forward. He can play wing. He can play center. It wouldn't shock me in five years' time if he was a 45-point NHLer or 50-point NHLer. He he has great IQ, a really good solid two-way game, and quite a lot of skill. I mean, one of the one of the issues for him at times has been he um, almost takes too much pride in his defense. Um, he's always back around the puck, but at times it looks like he kind of sacrifices offensive opportunities to do that. Um, but it wasn't really that big a problem in the AHL last year, and uh, hopefully he's figured that out now. But to your point there, uh, we, we like I mentioned earlier, we, we had a podcast with Bill Meltzer last night. He said um, Chuck and, and Elaine Vigneault, Chuck Fletcher, that is, they're looking for ways to lower the goals against average. So they're kind of looking for more defensively-minded players. So to your point, Rupstov, I mean, uh, over, uh, let's say, a Farabee or, or uh, a Frost, who may be more offensive-minded, Rupstov may, may have the upper hand there since he, he's a little bit more defensive-minded. I think had he played the entire season in the AHL last year and wasn't injured so much, he would have a really, really good chance to make the team out of camp. But I think the injury and not playing so much hockey means that he'd have to blow blow people away to get a chance of say, guys like Farabee and Frost. Right. That's interesting. Interesting. So it's not it's not necessarily just a two a two horse race uh, for the young guys to make the squad. Rupstov, kind of a, kind of a dark horse, I guess, huh? Yeah, I think so. That's pretty. I neat. think I, I think another kind of dark horse as well is uh, David Cachet. Okay. Uh, I mean, everyone knows, I think, that I've always been a big David Cachet fan. He was, he was a guy who went 128 to the Flyers in the 2015 draft. And in my personal rankings, he was top 50 because he's a got... a dark horse mentioned from Meltzer. Yeah, yeah he, he's got a, a really good skill level. Um, he was a really late physical developer, and he's still... I mean, you look at the guy, and he still looks like he could you know, be 16 years old at 22 <laughs> years old. But, you know, he's, he's filled out a bit now. He's over 170 pounds at 5'11", and... This is a guy who, when he was 17 and 18 years old, was one of the most skillful players in the world for his age. And then everyone else had their growth spurts and everyone else filled out and he kind of got left behind a bit. Had some strange seasons in Czech Republic where he just wasn't really getting the chance that he probably should have done. Um, And then went over to Sweden in 2017-2018 and was his team's best player. Um, Did a a fantastic job on a team who were really poor. You know, he's he's played for the Czech national team four times now. He played last year before the World Championships and was going to go to the World Championships for the Czech Republic last year if he hadn't. He broke his hand in one of the warm-up games. Um, and, you know, this year came to the came to the AHL, came to North America for the first time and played a solid all-round game, got over uh, 0.5 points per game, 23 and 40. He has some injury issues, but the skills there, He's he tries really hard defensively. He's he's not as good defensively, I think, naturally, as his older brother, Andre, who plays for um, Anaheim Ducks. But I think he's... Probably more naturally skilled than his big brother. Um, a bit smaller than his big brother. 
but I think he, it wouldn't shock me if uh, David Cachet played in the NHL in 2019-20, and it wouldn't shock me if David Cachet carved out an NHL career as a really good third-line player. Huh, this, this is all really, really interesting. For me, I'm getting a little bit excited over here because only because of what we've seen the last four, five, six years. And, mm. you know, over the summer, um, they've, they've managed to put together, um, if, if, if anything at all, an actual NHL roster. And what I like to see is, is a competition for, for the younger guys to make the team as opposed to just being handed a spot. And to, to now hear that potentially there's more names in the mix other than Frost and Farabee, it, it gets me excited because there's a lot of talent coming up. You know, and, uh, you know so having you on and, and doing the whole prospect month, I know I'm learning a lot, and it's getting me excited over here. You know, October can't come quick enough. Um, well, Jim, the one thing that uh, that it's kind of makes me nervous, and I totally agree with you. That I mean, I love prospects, but like after we talked to uh, Brandon, and then we talked to uh, Alex here, but then like just Meltzer last night, it's yeah, we have all these guys, and I want to see him. That was kind of my point earlier. Um, but it's, he makes it sound like well, there's Pitlick, and well, there's that uh, Andre, whatever the hell that he mentioned as well. Like those guys seem to have the inside track. And because of things like the slide rule with some of these prospects and just just because they're young kids and you know how coaches are like they really have to be over the moon to even be considered. And it's a shame because we have this great prospect pool and I really feel like we're going to miss out on seeing some guys because they want to put in guys that have been in the AHL and NHL just a little bit longer and. You know, I'm excited, but are we actually going to see them? Like, we know we're going to see Farabee and Frost someday. But some of these other guys, like, I don't know, like, between drafting more guys and, you know, other prospects rising up, it, like, I wanted to see a guy like Wade Allison for quite a while now. Now now I don't know because he's dealing with an injury. Uh, we're going to have LaBurge on. Like, does he have a legitimate shot at moving up and pushing for this team? I mean, he was a second-round pick, man. Like, that's that's nothing to bat an eye at. And because of all these guys are sticking on the team now saying that nobody else is – I mean, I know you want to earn your spot, but I feel like they're all – they're handicapped, you know, and, and that's why I'm uh, – I don't know how I feel about that. I, I get why they do it, but at the same time, it doesn't feel right, and I think we're going to miss out on some guys. Even if they're just flashes in the pan, we're going to miss out. You know what I mean? Yeah, I got you there. But I, for me, it's like if you can't beat out Andy Andrioff, then you shouldn't be on the team. And I, I know well, that I, he's got the inside track type stuff, but yeah. if you can't overly impress to beat out Andrioff, it's like, all right, maybe you got to cook a little a little longer. You know, so I, I 100% agree. And, you know, that comes with me being excited to see these kids. I mean, I want to see them now. But it's also like, all right, well, you, this is the guy you got to be out, beat out. You got to beat out a Pitlick. You got to be out a, uh, an Andrioff. Um, real quick, because I, I do have uh, two more names here to touch on. Um, and it's a guy I, I love saying his name. I noticed that you have him uh, in your rankings. Looks like you like him too, Alex. Is Wyatt Wiley. Oh, yeah, he's um, he's a solid prospect. Um, I, I mean, I've not got any pretensions. He's going to be kind of a top four NHL defenseman. Um but yeah, he's had a solid, solid, uh, solid career so far forever at Silvertip. So the same team as Carter Hart in the WHL. Um, I think at the next level, he's not going to be—he's not going to bring the offense he does right now. Uh, but you know, he has the potential to be a solid uh, bottom pairing defenseman, and he's a—he's a right-handed, right-handed player as well, which is obviously at premium, especially most defenseman in the NHL. I just want to see him so I could say his name every other, every uh, Tuesday, Thursday, whatever. You know what I mean? 
Wyatt Wiley on the Flyers would be pretty cool. Um, and my last name here before I hand this over is um, a guy that we heard a lot about during the World Junior Classic, uh, Noah Cates. Yeah, you don't really hear much about him outside of the World Junior Classic. At least I don't. But he was kind of that popular, uh, you know, that popular name that everybody was saying a couple months ago. What's the story with Noah Cates? Um, you, I think in Noah Cates you've got a guy who the Flyers drafted him, um, like pretty much. Well, yeah, drafted him out of high school, um, and there was a lot of kind of how good can this guy be? What's his actual level? Um, and then last year, I mean, the year before last, in 2017-18 in the USHL, he put up 55 points in 60 games and really went on a tear kind of to end the season. Uh, this is a guy with a really, really high skill level. He's he's not what you'd expect in terms... Actually, similar in the way to David Cache in that for a fifth-round pick, he's not a guy who you would expect to be a fifth-round pick when you just simply look at his skill. He's got great hands. He's got a good shot. Uh, he's a great passer as well. And then he went to the NCAA uh, last year for uh, University of Minnesota Duluth. Uh, put up over 0.5 points per game. And then at the World Juniors, you know, at times he was everywhere on the ice. He was penalty killing and scoring goals and constantly involved in the cycle game. Um, yeah, uh, in terms of upside, it's difficult for me to put a pin on it. I think sometimes I watch him play and I think, you know, this guy could get 40 plus points in the NHL and be a, you know, a solid second liner or a second line option. And then sometimes I think, oh, he's just going to be maybe a good third liner. So, yeah, he's a, he's a... He's a nice prospect and one that in the depth of the Flyers pool is he's a guy who does have a potential NHL future. That's pretty cool to hear. Um, you guys got anything else you want to add in? <clears throat> Excuse me. Anything you want to add in here? We got about 10 minutes left. Well, I guess like because we guys just had him on, I'll ask, uh, what are your thoughts on Connor Bunneman? Oh, Connor Bunneman. He's, he's <laughs> an interesting player, I think. Um, I do quite like his game. And uh, last year in the... Uh, AHL, he, when he got an opportunity to, when players started going down injured, when Rubsov got injured, for example, uh, you know, he, he went up the lineup and moved from wing to center. Uh, and from that point forward, he was pretty impressive. The first few games, he got virtually no points. Uh, but then from, I think, mid-November, he, he looked really, really good and was a real impressive presence on the power play around the net front. And, you know, he almost cracked 20 goals in his uh, rookie AHL season. In terms of upside, he's a guy who you think, like, he's a bottom six forward in the NHL level. Uh, maybe a good fourth liner or a solid third liner, but, he, you know, he, he does have a potential for the NHL. Um, and I don't think he's that far away from it. Maybe another year in the AHL, and he could potentially push for a kind of a depth role on the Flyers. That's pretty yeah. exciting. And we got a guy. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, we're pulling for him. <laughs> the guy, Jimmy. Yeah, we got a, a Pascal LeBurge coming on next week. I, I'm not sure, you know, he's kind of dropped big time um, as far as rankings. I, I know he's been out for a little bit. Do, do you have anything you could talk about uh, as far as Pascal? He's an interesting player. He was a guy who in his draft year uh, I actually had as a top 30 pick. Uh, I was really high on him. Um, he had a really, really good draft year, 68 points in 56 games. He looked good for Canada in the World Juniors at under 18 played with grit, uh, had a solid two-way game, played both, well, he played more wing, but could also play center, you know, looked like a great two-way player who, you know, could really be a second-line player at the next level. Um, and since then, it's kind of, he's had a really rough few years. His final two years in the QMJHL were just not what you'd even come close to expecting for a player. When you watch his hands, when you watch his skill level, uh, you expect this guy to be dominating the QMJHL. And he never did it after his draft season. And then, um, you know, he played a bit towards the end of the AHL season and looked not out of place. 
So it's going to be re- it's a really pivotal year for Leberge. He, he has to go into the Phantoms this season on 20, in 1920 and kind of push for a top six spot on the team and show that his skill level is is transferable to an actual an actual game because at, at times over the end of his junior career it seemed like yeah he was highly skilled but he, he maybe he just didn't quite have the IQ to put it together and play at a high level. And, but there were some some positives from the end of the season in the AHL. He he wasn't overawed by that level, and you know he potted five goals in fifteen games, including a hat trick, and he looked looked okay. So it's it's difficult to pin what he actually could be. I'm, I mean, I'm not confident he actually has an NHL future. Um, It'd be but, nice just to see a bounce back year from him. Just to yeah, stay it would be nice for an entire year. It would be nice to see what he can do. He's going to be playing with some with a, some real with a, talent down there with the Phantoms this year too. They're going to be loaded. Uh, the Phantoms forward group, especially, I think, is going to be uh, fantastic to watch. Um, it's going to be so many young players, so many prospects, such a high skill level across the board. Yeah, I think um, if you're in Allentown, it would be way worth going out your way to get a season ticket this year because <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be a fun one. For sure, for sure. I, you know who'd be excited about that guy is Dan. He, I think he lives around there. Oh, does he? Oh, okay, there you go. Uh, if you want to promote your little, your, our, our duel there, Jack. Hmm. Uh, if you can call it that. I mean, it might be more of a shellacking. <laughs> Here we go. Um, so, yeah, first week of September. I know we said it last episode. We're going to do a duel where Jack and Dan kind of team up against me and Kyle. I'm just going to promote that real quick. Um, let me see. There was one more thing I had. Here. Oh, I had a... I should have asked this more in the beginning of the episode here, uh, Alex, but the, I have a question from Noah, who follows on Twitter as well, um, and, and maybe we touched on it a little bit already, um, but he wants to know how far out are Cam York and Bobby Brink? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, Cam York? Hmm. Well, you know, he's, he's going to the NCAA this, this coming season. Um, He's going to be at the University of Michigan, which is obviously a pretty prestigious program. He produced a lot of really good players. Uh, I don't think he's a one-and-done player. He's not Joel Farabee. I think he will go to the University of Michigan this year. He'll play for the U.S. national team at the World Juniors. Um, and and maybe play, he'll play a second year, I think, for sure, at University of Michigan. So that takes it to 2021. And then maybe after two years, if he has a big second year at University of Michigan, he could push for the players in... Um, September 2021, the training camp to, to start the 2021-22 season. Although I think it's maybe more likely he plays the AHL a bit that year. But yeah, I, I would expect to probably see him in orange and black at earliest in 2021-22. Um, uh, and with Brink, it's maybe a bit more difficult simply because with Cam York, he has a very, very projectable skill set. Um, if he just keeps developing, he's going to be an NHL player. Um, no doubts about that. Uh, whereas with Brink, obviously, you know, he's Slightly smaller, his skating isn't ideal for a guy of his size, even though he has a brilliant skill set apart from that. You know, he's going to the University of Denver this year, um, and it's looking like he's also going to be on the World Junior team alongside York and Farabee, if Farabee is not a flyer at that point. Um, I would guess he might need a bit more time uh, than York. But, um, yeah, I would guess, say, September 2022, he could make a serious push. Um, probably, I think he probably plays three years in the NCAA unless he really, really comes on leaps and bounds over the next year. All right, there you go. Thanks for asking, Noah. And then uh, that's pretty much all I got for you, Alex. I mean, we touched on a lot of prospects. There's a, a lot to be excited for, you know, if, if not with the NHL team. And, and there is a little bit of a, a buzz or, or um, people want to be excited. But, I mean, as far as prospects, the Flyers are – I can't remember a time when they've been – 
this loaded as far as prospects from top to bottom. I mean, we're talking about four goalies here, four, four prospect goalies, which blows my mind. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is now they have it kind of at every position. You know, when you look at the third and fourth best players at every position in the prospect pool, these are guys with legitimate NHL futures. You look at some other prospect pools around the league, and they, they maybe have four or five guys in the entire prospect pool with legitimate NHL futures, as the Flyers have at least kind of two in every position. You know, you, you just start to look at kind of, every, you know, look at Mark Friedman. Mark Friedman's a guy who's been a really impressive AHL defenseman. He's a right-handed. He's a great skater. One of the best, one of the best backward skaters I think you'll probably see as well. And, and the guy's, you know, what, Flyers' fourth, fifth best um, defensive prospect, maybe? So, you know, you're looking at the goalies, like you've said, and you've got Ostomenko, who's probably the third best. And in a lot of pools, he'd be number one. Um, you've got guys like Vorobiev, who's played in the NHL already and looks good, and he's he's not in anyone's top kind of, you know, yeah. eight so rankings. Uh, and you have guys, we've not even spoke about Isaac Ratcliffe, for example. Um, the pool's that deep. Um, you know, this is Isaac Ratcliffe just hit 50 goals in the OHL. Um, he scored in uh, he scored in the AHL and he got a cup of coffee at the end of the year, two games. And, uh, you know, this is a player who's 6'6 and over 200 pounds and skates really well for a winger. I mean, skates really well for a guy of that size. Um, yeah, he, he's a guy with maybe potential first line upside as well. And Wade Allison, we've not touched on. He had a rough year. But he's a guy who, when you look at his skill set, is a potential top six forward. Um, there's a reason that the Flyers have been consistently ranked as kind of the best prospect pool in the league, or top three, four, five, by most outlets for the last couple of years. And with the draft they had in 2019, it just solidifies that. Have you heard anything on Allison? Is he going to sign in the ELC, or is he going back to college for sure? Uh, he's going back. He's going back to college. Yeah, I think. He, I think uh, when people speak about Lashinsky and Allison, there's a bit of. Um, Worry that they might both walk for free agency. But uh, from everything I've heard, Wade Allison wants to be a flyer. Um, he, he, he's going to go back to uh, Western U Michigan University and hopefully um, be fully fit all year and have a better season than in 1819. His 2017-18 season was fantastic. He was one of the best uh, young players in the league, uh, in the NCAA. Um, injuries kind of derailed it last year. But yeah, I think he's going to... He's gonna go. He's gonna go back to Western Michigan University for sure, and then once he grad, once he leaves, he's he's gonna sign with the Flyers. Uh, Lashinsky, I think people are a bit more concerned that he might not sign, um, but uh, I think Allison for sure will sign and uh, be playing it's, in the AH, AHL for the um, 20, uh, 21 season. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, if you, I've seen a couple interviews with. Uh, Allison and he just talks about how he wants to go back to Michigan just to prove because he feels like he owes Michigan something because he wasn't able to play last year. It's, yeah, it's interesting for sure, and I think it's an admirable um, sentiment from him. Uh, I think he could have came to the AHL this season and been a top six forward in the AHL. You know, he's 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 a really enjoyable player to watch. I really personally just enjoy watching him play. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, he's he's he needs to do a bit of work, obviously, after last year. But I think he has second line upside. I think he could be a really solid kind of twenty goal, forty point, forty five point player in a couple of years. And I think he'd be a fan favorite for the Flyers as well. Yeah, I've heard a lot of comparisons with Wade Allison and uh, like a similar style to Scotty Hartnell, which who was definitely a fan favorite in Philly. Yeah, he he plays plays really hard. I mean, he won't give up on anything. Uh, he tries really hard defensively, and he's well. He's a better skater than Scott Hartnell for one. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first thing I thought of. 
And he's also a redhead, so... <laughs> more, more of them to the Flyers. Yeah. What else, guys? We got anything else for Alex? We're about uh, coming up on 60 minutes here. I got yeah, one last thing. think about that walk-on uh, from last year, Zamula? Oh, Zamula, yeah. He was uh, very impressive in um, the WHL, and he will probably go to the World Juniors um, in the Czech Republic for Russia this year. Um, you know, put up 56 points in 61 games for Calgary, played at the World Junior under-18s uh, the previous year. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, he's a pretty skilled offensive defenseman who has solid defensive game as well. Um, kind of concerned. The only thing I have in terms of concern is he relies quite a lot on the power play at times for scoring. That's not bad in itself, but obviously at the next level, he's not really going to get power play time. And for me, I think his upside is kind of a solid number five, good number five defenseman. Um, but yeah, he's a he's a player who a bit under the radar because of the amount of prospects that the players have. But he had a really fantastic season uh, for the Calgary Hitmen in the WHL. No, I guess the last thing I got to ask you, Alex, is uh, a little bit off of prospects, but it is off season. So just briefly, what have you what have you thought of Fletcher's job so far since he took over the Flyers? Just in general. Uh, well, I mean, it's hard to hard to judge him completely so far. I think he did a pretty good job when he immediately took over in terms of kind of some of the trades and kind of making space on the team and getting rid of some of the more kind of dead weight, uh, I'd say. Uh, the draft was solid. Um, I think there is some concern with among some people that he's not got Provorov and Konechny signed yet, uh, but I think I, I wouldn't be too concerned. I think Konechny's going to sign pretty soon. Um, and Provorov, they're just simply waiting for the market to be set. I mean, look around the league. Like so few restricted free agents have signed compared to usual. It's it's pretty crazy. So um, I think overall he's done a solid job. I don't think he's hit anything out of kind of the park yet, but uh, he's done a solid job. And there's this this for sure some optimism there. I think um, I hope he just continues doing the continues to build on the job that Hextel was doing because ninety percent of the stuff that Hextel did was was really good and positive. It was just kind of that other ten percent that I think caused him an issue. Yeah, that's definitely true for sure. Um, well, what what do you think about this like renaissance with these restrict, restricted free agents? Well, you know, having like in Marner's case, ninety points is crazy good. It was one year, and he played on a very good offensive team. He's a winger, and he had two of the best centers in the league with him. For to come out and ask for like thirteen million dollars. It's just it's it sounds crazy. How are you with all this? Because it's not just Marner. He's his number's the highest, but you know Provorov, McAvoy, Warinsky, and if we keep it with the Flyers, Provorov. I'm a little aggravated because yes, he's very good. He was a high pick and he should be great. But you know he had a bad year last year or a down year, I'll say. And these other defensemen like McAvoy and Warinsky, who I think he could be better than in the long run. Right now he's not. And it's just like north of eight million dollars is like kind of crazy, but he's not alone. All these these guys seem to be trying to get top dollar immediately. So what do we, what did you think of all this? I mean, I could. I mean, if I was in that position, uh, I think I'd probably be doing the same thing as well. You know, you've got a oh, limited, cool. you've got a limited playing career in the league, and um, if you can get an extra extra bit of money, I think it's completely fine to do that. Obviously, it's frustrating for fans and frustrating for the teams. Um, but when you know it's someone's their, their future, and you know that these guys are talking about signing seven, eight-year deals to play in the same place, probably with no movement clauses and all this kind of stuff, and 
I guess they want the number to be right and they, they want to be happy to, to be there as well. And I think Provorov's going to sign. I don't think it's going to be too big an issue. And he's, he's a really good defenseman and I'm really glad the Flyers have got him. Um, but yeah, I think it's just, I think Nylander kind of changed things a bit last year with his, his holdout. And people saw like, oh, um, it, it, the deal got done and it wasn't kind of as negative as kind of everyone maybe thought it was going to end up being. He had a solid year, even though there were talks about him kind of not playing so well. More bad luck. Um, but yeah, um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens um, with the next uh, collective bargaining agreement. That's for sure. I mean, I want to see these guys get paid. Don't get me wrong, but they're like asking for Taves and Kane money, and those three, those two, won three Stanley Cups before they got that. That's really what I'm getting at with this. Like, you know, I mean, the, I know that we're not going to see older players, and they're going to just stick with the young guys and pay them right away. But like the jump, the number jump has been ginormous and it's just i guess my vision of the flyers was you know let's get all these prospects in then we'll get a high price free agent and we'll be good we'll be going on all cylinders much like nashville how they locked up like yossi for a really good deal i was hoping we did get coots but that's going to end in like two years i was hoping for those value contracts add where you can with like studs at least one and now we're looking at we're running out of cap we got to sign our young guys our big acquisition was Hayes who I guess he could be good but I don't know he's only had one year where he scored 20 goals he had one other year where he had 50 points is he really even a second line center I don't know I'm, I'm kind of nervous for this season because it's either going to be really good or really bad so I guess I'll just end it with how do you think they're going to do this year do you think they're definitely in the playoffs do you think they sneak in do you think they went around what are you thinking Alex I mean if you don't make the playoffs something's seriously wrong right um, I mean when you look at the team on paper you look at the top nine that the team's going to have this season, and they've, they've got six guys on the team who have been top 100 in NHL scoring over the last two, three years. When you've got Giroux, Voracek, Hayes, Van Riemsdyk, um, Kachuria, and Konechny. These guys are all guys who produce at really high levels at 5v5. They have high skill levels. You know, there's, a, there's an argument to be made they've got kind of four or five guys who are first-line players at 5v5 level. And then the guys behind them, you know, we... We're expecting jumps for Lindblom. We're expecting jumps for Patrick. Obviously, I think Konechny is going to be better as well. And then you've got, you know, some of the depth players like Scott Lawton and Michael Raffle are going to be on the fourth line. These are guys who've played well on third lines over this, their career. So, the, you know, the forward depth should be amongst the better, uh, best, better in the NHL and one of the better forward groups in the NHL. I think there's more questions over the defense. Um, but, you know, Provorov, I think, is going to bounce back. Um, they have Gostaspur, who... When he's on, he's one of the most electric defensive in the league. Travis Sanheim had a really, really good season last year, I thought. Um, he really kind of made people sit up and think, wow, is, is this actually the guy who might be the number one going down the line instead of Provorov? He has a brilliant skill set and he can kind of do everything. Um, and then, you know, they brought in Niskanen, who he's getting a bit older and he's not quite the player I think he was. Uh, but I think still Matt Niskanen is a really good top four NHL defenseman. Um, and Justin Brown, not as high on him, but... He does one thing really, really well, and that's defend his own blue line. Um, and I think that's actually the, what they're going for now on defense. When you look at the acquisitions of Brown and Niskanen, uh, those guys are both really good at their own blue line um, and can both skate the puck out of their own zone and pass the puck out of their own zone. So I'm expecting the defense to be uh, pretty fun to watch this season, especially with Myers coming in as well. And I think Myers is going to be even better than he was in his... Uh, He's a limited NHL time last year. So, yeah, I mean, if they don't make the uh, playoffs, there's something seriously wrong. 
That's for sure. Oh, that's just it. Yeah, I mean, I hope they do, and they probably will. I guess where I'm hoping is that in the following years, they can actually push to become a cup contender, and I I don't know how they're going to bridge that gap with no cap. And I guess uh, Farabee, Frost, Ratcliffe, one of those guys come in and are just studs in our defense, just turn it up. But Oh, and mainly, the main thing, too, and this goes for this year as well, Carter Hart. I mean, if he's... If he's suspect, then we're in trouble. But if he's the real deal, that could that's could be everything right then and there. So, um, I mean, I'm I'm really trying to get more po- uh, positive and optimistic as we get closer to the season. So, sounds like you're like, yeah, they better make the playoffs because otherwise, what are we doing wrong here? Yeah, it, it, I don't know what's going to happen if they don't make the playoffs this year. I would imagine that there's some enormous moves made, um, especially with what Fletch has been doing so far. Bring Hextall back in. Yeah, in goal. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding, obviously. But, I mean, that's pretty much all we got for you, I think, Alex. We're uh, almost 70 minutes in. It's got to be, what's it it, close to, like, 1 o'clock over there? A little bit after 1? Yeah, 1.20 right now. No problem. problem. I've always been a night owl. (laughs) You're like a vampire over there, dude. (laughs) So, But we'll we'll wrap up and we'll let you go, man. So uh, thanks so much for coming on. It's always a pleasure having you, man. We look forward to talking to you again soon. And, uh, yeah, thanks for taking the time, man. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Always really enjoyable to speak hockey, um, especially in summer when there's not been so much going on for a while. Just starting to ramp it back up now with, uh, you know, the European preseason season games are underway. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, looking forward to the start of the season. Uh, random question before uh, we, we sign off. Who, who's your uh, pick for the uh, Premier League this year? <laughs> Manchester City every year. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I mean, uh, hopefully they do. We'll see. Uh, Alex, until we talk again, man, always a pleasure. Have a good night, okay? Thanks, Have a good night, you two guys, as well. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Take care. That's Alex Appleyard of The Athletic. Not The Athletics. The Athletic. Make sure you check out his stuff online, guys. Always putting out great stuff. If you're an analytic guy, you definitely want to follow Alex Appleyard. If you're a fan of the Flyers, definitely follow him. I know I do. It's one of the first guys I followed as soon as I got on Twitter. Second time we've had him on the show. He's always full of information. Very knowledgeable guy. Um, prospects is his forte. So if, if you're big uh, on prospects, and I, I'm going to assume you are because you're listening to the show, um, definitely give Alex a follow and check out his stuff. Guys, what'd you think? Oh, that was fantastic. I was jealous I missed him the first time. I could have sat here and asked about every single prospect we had. <laughs> and then if we had more time, I would have asked him about prospects we had in the past and what went wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? For sure. Yeah, it's, it's, it's more fun than ever. All right, so that's going to wrap up our episode um, for Jack Smith, Kyle Warner. Go, guys, make sure you check out our, our last night's episode. We had Bill Meltzer on, um, talked a lot, not just prospects last night, um, projections for the, for the Flyers season, we talked off-season moves. We, we covered everything with Bill. Um, next week we have Pascal LaBerge. That's going to be our last episode for August. That's going to wrap up our prospect month. Um, we hope you enjoyed tonight's episode. I know we did, and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you.